Man survives falling into a well and being there for eight hours. St. Lawrence Seaway workers have walked off the job. Hundreds of millions of dollars have been given from the federal government to farmers in Western Canada, impacted by another season of drought. The presidential election in Argentina's first place finisher is a Peronist, but the second place Libertarian is promising to win November's runoff ballot. And Gaza experiences its worst night of bombing yet. Good morning. It's Monday, October 23rd. I'm Nora. Here are your headlines. News first from Alberta, where Andy Schwetz, a farmer who lives in Waskatenau, north of Edmonton, was spreading out straw when he fell into a well. He had walked near to it, and the ground gave way, and he fell down 14 feet into five feet of cold and muddy water. He was working alone and had left his cell phone with his tractor, and it was 9.30 p.m. He tried to climb out of the well, but the cement casing was too difficult to climb, reports CTV Edmonton's Alex Antonician. He couldn't get enough of a grip with a stake that he had in his hand when he fell into the well. He panicked, but he figured that at least he'd have the chance of surviving if he could get out of the water. He was down there for hours while holding himself above the water. When his wife, realizing that he hadn't come home and she couldn't reach him on his cell phone, went out to find his tractor. It was 5 a.m. when the local fire chief showed up. They got the hose down to him and hauled him out of the well. He was hospitalized for a week, but he is alive. Schwetz says that there are lots of old wells all over the place and people really should be careful around them. The province does keep a public database of old wells. And so if you're not sure if your area has an old well that you need to avoid, Google that and see. Next, hundreds of workers have walked off the job yesterday, shutting down the St. Lawrence Seaway. The strike will stop cargo between Montreal and Lake Erie. The Canadian press reports that Unifor, the workers' union, says that it's, quote, 1,000 nautical miles apart, unquote, from where management is. That, by the way, is 1,852 kilometers apart, if you are curious. The employer is refusing to move on higher wages that are, as they say, quote, inspired by automotive-type negotiations, unquote, which, folks, is a really good argument for why you want to have these amalgamated unions representing people in lots of different industries. The CEO of the St. Lawrence Seaway Management Corporation, Terrence Bowles, said, quote, in these economically and geopolitically critical times, it is important that the seaway remains a reliable transportation route for the official movement of essential cargoes, unquote. Ah, yes, it was the economically critical of times. It was the geopolitically critical of times. Management has pointed to grain shipments that will be delayed as a result of the strike, something that they say has been critically impacted by the war in Ukraine and extreme weather and therefore cannot be impacted by workers' action. It sounds to me like the corporation is explaining why these people are critical employees and might deserve higher wages. That is at the key of the demands between the two sides, wages. Now, in 2022, $16 billion worth of cargo passed through the seaway. 
The article doesn't actually say what the wages are, though notes that it's a big point in negotiations. It doesn't say either what the workers are asking for. It quotes two workers who say that their purchasing power has dropped, but that's it. And of course, because it's the Canadian press, they had to ask the Canadian Federation of Independent Business what they think. Like, there's a law about this or something. And their national vice president, who I guess probably just does French media, because I think that this Canadian press copy was originally written in French, uh, Jasmine Guinnet, said that the economy, quote, doesn't need another strike blocking an important trade route and hampering trade, unquote. Ah, please, Jasmine, why not just call for the workers' demands to be met? That would end the strike immediately. Nah, instead, the CFIB's official position is always anti-worker and, frankly, more fascistic, insisting that workers whose work is, quote, essential to the supply chain, unquote, lose their right to strike. Next, remember how this summer droughts swept Western Canada? I mentioned it a few times on the Daily News podcast, but it really didn't get too much attention in the press, especially since compared to a wildfire, a drought may not seem so bad. Well, the federal government has announced an aid package to give money to farmers who were impacted by drought. Global News' Musa Imran reports that most of the money is going to Saskatchewan's livestock producers. The idea behind targeting livestock is to help farmers breed more animals. The president of the Saskatchewan Association of Rural Municipalities, Ray Orb, said that the money is welcome, but it isn't enough. The, quote, severe kinds of events that we now have demands a different kind of action, unquote, he said. And the different kinds of action that he proposes, well, better insurance programs and expanding irrigation. Oh man, Orb, that is not going to save farming against catastrophic climate change. More irrigation is going to be useless when the water runs out. Maybe the time is now for a deeper reflection on the role that oil and gas plays in messing with our climate. Next to international news, as of last night, Argentina's election had the surprise result of Sergio Massa being ahead by 36% of the vote. Javier Millet is behind him with 30% and Patricia Bullrich is out. Massa's coalition had lost the primary in August, making last night's result even more surprising. Some had thought that Millet would have won on the first round. The Guardian describes him as, quote, a... Argentinian mashup of Donald Trump, Jair Bolsonaro, and Boris Johnson. You definitely should check out this guy's hair, by the way. Massa is currently the finance minister. He's a centrist and a Peronist, the dominant political force in Argentina for decades. Millet has only been in politics for two years. He's a libertarian and an economist who has promised to do some radical things, including eliminate Argentina's central bank. The third place candidate is right wing too, so it isn't necessarily clear that Massa will win the runoff ballot. That happens on November 19th. A whole host of far-right politicians in South America have endorsed Millet, including Eduardo Bolsonaro, the son of Jair, and Jose Antonio Cast from Chile. 40% of Argentina's population was pushed into poverty in the past several years, and the country has been struggling to contain triple-digit inflationary increases. And finally, to Palestine. According to many people in Gaza and many media agencies, last night saw the worst attack on Gaza so far in Israel's campaign to wipe Palestinians off the map. 30 people were killed in Jabalia refugee camp. Al Jazeera is reporting that the bodies of women and children mostly were pulled out of rubble. 
They are reporting that the death toll in Gaza has surpassed 4,600 people. And there's been violence in the West Bank as well. Israeli forces have been raiding the region, and at least 11 people were detained in Ramallah yesterday. They detained seven people in Jericho and also raided the Jalazun refugee camp, which is north of Ramallah. Israel says that it has hit two Hezbollah targets in Lebanon. Hezbollah has said that one of their fighters were killed. And the death toll from the latest Israeli airstrike in Rafah has killed at least 28 people and nine more victims have been identified by emergency crews who are working to get them out from under the rubble. In total, Al Jazeera reports that more than 400 people have been killed in the last 24 hours. Those are your headlines for Monday, October 23rd. I'm Nora. You're listening to this podcast at sandynor.com, on the Real News Network podcast feed, and wherever you get your podcasts. I am at the CUPE convention in Quebec City all week. So if you listen to this podcast and you're at the convention, try to see if you can find me. I'll be around with the button maker. Talk to you tomorrow.